In the 20 plus years of helping people plan for the cost of retirement and long-term health care, we've identified one consistent theme among families and caregivers. People don't like to talk about money. Life care affordability planning helps families who are facing long-term health issues and increasing health-related expenditures to make better informed financial decisions during a time when there are so many unanswered questions. It's time to face this topic head-on, address the emotional charge of discussing money, and discover practical ways to bridge the gap between a long-term health care plan and your ability to pay for it. Hello and welcome to the Life Care Affordability Planning Podcast with Tom West and Arvet Reed from Signature Estate Investment Advisors. Today we're talking to Lindsay Vajpai again. She was on our last podcast and she has graciously come back to help us out. Lindsay is the Director of Education and Outreach at Insight Memory Care Center. Insight is an adult daycare center in Fairfax, Virginia. Last podcast, we introduced the SHARE plan and talked a lot about that. And on this podcast, we're going to be exploring some case studies. Good afternoon, everybody. How are you? Good afternoon, Eric. Hello. Hello. Lindsay, thank you very much for coming back. I thought that the content from last podcast was so important because it reminded our vet and I of how much we've learned when we were developing the life care affordability plan from the share plan and the program that Insight was putting together. A lot of the things that our vet and I have learned when we're trying to give advice about what to do with money with families facing a chronic illness is the decisions that people are making about money are never about money. They're about all sorts of other things. One of the things that we regularly are encountering is families that don't know where to start. There might be an incident at a hospital. There might be a new diagnosis. There might be bad news coming from the doctor or a medical event. And families sometimes are paralyzed without knowing where to start, what first step to take. So, Lindsay, is sort of a way to get going on thinking about some of the cases where we've seen the share plans really be impactful on people's lives. Perhaps you could give a story or two about how your process, which you'll be able to describe too, was able to help perhaps some families that didn't know where to start after a dementia diagnosis. So, Tom, you gave a lot of good examples of reasons that people may not know where to start. There was an unexpected situation, a discharge from the hospital something was going on. Um, But for some families, it's that you have two partners, maybe spouses, where one person always took the lead on decision making. They did the research, they made the decisions, and now that's the person who has early stage dementia. So uh, one of the couples that I've been working with, it's a man and a wife, he has always been that decision maker. She has always cared for the family. Um, He was the one who guided the family in next steps for the future. So when he has an early stage diagnosis, he can't be that person who leads the way anymore. And she is feeling totally overwhelmed. She has no idea where to start. She said herself that she's one of those people that the last thing she hears, that's what she agrees with. That's what she thinks. Then Mm -hmm. she'll talk to somebody else. And whatever they say influences what she thinks next. And she is just really needing someone to help provide this framework and and guide the way. Right. Because it sounds like one of the things the gentleman did was set up the menu of choices. Mm -hmm. And so they would discuss things as a couple, but he was always kind of that rock. Mm. um, And she was that more uh, emotional, responsive type person, Mm -hmm. not that concrete, let's make a decision and move forward person. So through the SHARE program, one of the things that I was working on with this couple was helping her evaluate her options and then feel confident about making a choice. 
something where she was feeling informed, like it was a good direction to go and validating her choice. It wasn't me telling her what to do, but it was giving her permission to feel good about the choices that she was making. Mm. You know, but what I find interesting about someone who has a brand new diagnosis and they're used to being the one to make the decisions. Tell us a little bit about before you even got to her and feeling like you were supporting her. How did you even get him to the point that he was willing to open up and share his vulnerability? Mm. It's so much about relationship building and getting that trust giving that respect too that yes, he may have an early stage diagnosis, but he still has plenty to add to the conversation. Mm -hmm. His opinion still matters. We were showing him that respect by involving him in the conversation. And I'm not going to lie, it's not easy for that person who's used to being the decision maker to start giving up that role. And he was aware that that role was moving further and further away from him. Uh, One of the, the struggles that they were having as a couple is that he still wanted to do their taxes. She didn't know how to do their taxes. He felt like he should. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to farm this out to someone else who could support them. And so a lot of me coming in is helping him feel like that is the right step, helping her feel good about taking some of that responsibility, but helping him to feel part of the process so that it wasn't just something yanked out from under him, that he was still part of it. He was reviewing the tax documents, for example, but he wasn't responsible for putting it all together and submitting it. So it was just helping them figure out what are their new responsibilities and how do they work as partners on these things that someone used to do alone. For her, she was evaluating different living situations for the future, knowing that they probably needed to move out of their home, but still she wasn't entirely sure about that. One of the things with the SHARE program is that I go to people in their homes. They were in a 1950s style home, multi-level, lots of stairs, lots of rooms branching out from each other. And it was very clear to me that this was not going to be a home that was very conducive to live in long term. She as well felt that she couldn't manage that house long term. She was overwhelmed already in the early stage, caring for herself, keeping track of what her husband was up to and providing some assistance to him. And then having to do things like organize someone to come over and mow the lawn housekeeper to come over to pay the bills to do the taxes. And so I helped validate to her that it does make sense to look at other housing situations because this was really not going to work for them long term. Helping her find that right fit. It was really important to them to move as a couple. And so looking at, you know, what are those options? What could we do to help them stay together as a couple, get the care that's needed, but still allow them to live the life that they were imagining? Lindsay, it seems that one of the hats that you have to wear is almost like a counselor in a way, a marriage counselor, because I've been married for almost 25 years now. And getting feedback from my wife is so much harder (laughs) than getting feedback from somebody else or hearing something from somebody else's viewpoint, because I can feel like, oh, she's just nagging me about this. And you brought up the tax thing. I bet that's a major part of the conversation as far as them having to, we talked about trust, them having to trust you, but also trust that their spouse is not just trying to nag them or just push them into something, but truly wants what's best for them. Mm-hmm. That's funny that you said that about being a marriage counselor, because that's one of the things that this couple would joke with me. I bet you didn't realize that you're going to become our, our marriage <laughs> exactly. counselor, you know, our, our therapist. Um, and it, and this program isn't designed to address longstanding, maybe family conflict, marital disputes, Um, or if there were addiction issues or something else. But I am in a way a counselor. I am called a share counselor because I'm helping to counsel families through these difficult situations and help build trust 
among each other and help them form a relationship with me so that I can help them evaluate different options and figure out what is the right fit. Well, one thing that I pulled out of Lindsay's story, which I thought was interesting, was making sure that it was part of the plan to have the gentleman continue to review the tax documents, Mm -hmm. making sure that that is a role that even if he's around and present for the staging of the different choices, that he's not diminished in that particular role any more than he needs to be. And for the family, it feels as much like another chapter in the same story that we're not, we're not pulling away part of what made him, uh, you know, a husband or a, you know, a a decision maker in the Mm -hmm. house that he was still able to supervise that particular role. I think when you're talking about issues with executive function, you know, the, the ability to make a choice when presented, even if you're able to evaluate the pros and cons to be able to make a choice. I like the part of the story where the sets of choices were like other choices that you have made previously together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea that this sounds like conversations, whether they be nagging or not, this sounds like conversations that you've previously had. I like the idea of the way that the share plan normalizes what is very abnormal for folks to make it feel less scary that they've got to make a choice when they've got so many uncertainties. Can I share an example with you that actually just happened today? So when you talk about hearing something from a different source, it comes across differently. So when your spouse tells you something, you don't believe them or you don't want to do it, you fight them on it. But when an expert, mm-hmm. in quotation, air <laughs> quotes here, when an expert says it, it carries a different weight. So I was working with a couple in the SHARE program just this morning who are planning a trip this weekend to go see their uh, their adult daughter. And he needs to use a wheelchair when he goes through the airport. It mm-hmm. is too much walking, going through security. All of this is just too much for him. But he doesn't recognize that need. So his wife has been prepping him. We're leaving on Thursday. We're going to take the wheelchair. Of course, he is saying, no, I'm going to walk. I'm mm-hmm. not taking that wheelchair. And then I come in and I talk about all the wonderful reasons that taking that wheelchair is a good idea. They're going to get you to the front of the line. You're going to have <laughs> special assistance. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, Lindsay. Oh, exactly. Absolutely. And then he says, okay. I wish we thought of that earlier. And his wife is looking at me like, I've been working on him for a week and he's been fighting me tooth and nail. But I come in. And say it, and it's like, oh, well, she says it. Right. She knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay. like you loosen the lid on the jar. Yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> One of the things I was thinking about in the story was the choice of they probably are going to have to move versus I'm going to stay home. Mm-hmm. So when people have a new diagnosis of dementia, most likely their vision for themselves was together in the house. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden here comes this, oh, you have dementia. And now what? And so, so many people still have the Right, you know, their mindset on they're staying home, they're staying home. So one of the things I love about the share plan, and we had a client early on when I joined the practice who the result of the share plan was him staying home as long as absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is watching the children also rally around that because I think everybody thought that dad had to move now Mm -hmm. and that really wasn't the case. So they were able to keep him home, keep him safe, look at the daycare program at Insight in order to keep him active. I guess I wanted to put for the audience, like don't always assume that some analysis with someone with dementia means move right away. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of things that can happen early on in the process to support a person at home. Well, I think that part of what we learned with 
the LCAP where we focus first on you know, after somebody is self-aware and accepts their situation, focus first on outcomes that you're most hopeful for. Mm-hmm. I think with dementia, more than just about any other chronic diagnosis, it's easy to fast forward to the end and the most scary conclusion, which invariably has sort of a duck and cover fight or flight response. I think that the idea that if you've got, just like you said in the story, a clinical, a therapeutically appropriate reason to paint a better outcome, which they can be more hopeful for. Let's keep dad at home. Let's all rally around that first. And yeah, we're going to come up with some plan B's in case that doesn't work, which we'll figure out what that is. But I think it's good to point out, Arvet, the idea of focusing on the thing that you're most hopeful for first, it enables people to accept help perhaps a little bit early in the story. Yeah. In this particular case, there was an expectation by the parents that the adult daughter was going to be the person to take care of dad. So the share plan in this example was awesome because it made everybody discuss everything from a planning perspective. And the aha that the daughter was like, uh, no, I am not going to be the person to take care of dad. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to put this plan together through the share plan for a realistic idea of what really was going to happen. In that particular integration of the share plan and our life care affordability plan, mom and dad couldn't get started on figuring out financial decisions to make because they were under the mistaken assumption that the kids were going to be taking care of them. So you had to go back to, well, maybe that's not the option that the kids have in mind. Therefore, what does it mean to you know, make plans to keep somebody at home independent of the kids. Those are a lot of the times the hurdles that need to be overcome before you can actually get to a recommendation. Mm-hmm. So every family is so different uh, on those, these conversations about who's involved in the future and what are kind of, what's that hopeful plan? What are points A, B, and C? How do you get there? And what if that doesn't work out? So for many families, it's staying at home for as long as possible. Then the next level is bringing some, some support into the home, like a home care agency, utilizing adult day services. But then there might come a time when that's not working any longer. Mm-hmm. And then movie, maybe it is moving into a memory care community of some kind. And so we're working through all of these different stages. And most of the time, we want to do that stage for as long as it works for mm-hmm. the entire family. And with the SHARE program, we're bringing in the family to discuss that. So in your your example, Arvet, of that daughter who parents think she's going to do everything and she's like, uh-uh, that's not realistic. That's not what I'm comfortable with. This forces families to have that conversation, but in basically a mediated way. So mm-hmm, you're not just mm-hmm. getting the family together over Thanksgiving dinner and expecting everybody to hash it out. You've got someone there leading the discussion. And one of the families that I worked with with the SHARE program had a little bit different situation. Their daughter was in college and in their values, it was extremely important to them that their daughter go on to live her own life that she really not be involved in care in the future because it was so important for, to them that she finished college, that she was able to go out and start her career wherever she wanted and not have the responsibility of caring for her dad on her shoulders. And so when we had a family session with her, it wasn't so much about here's how you're involved in the plan. It was here's what you know dad and I have discussed And here's why we don't list you in the plan and why it's important to us for you to go on and live your life as you choose. And it was basically, 
getting her buy-in, helping her understand that they weren't excluding her from their future, but they also weren't putting any pressure and responsibility on her. It was a different way to talk about this as a family, even if that adult child isn't the one who's the caregiver. It's making sure they know what mom and dad want and can support those parents. That's awesome. Lindsay, I know some of the more successful share plans that you've had come from cases where maybe families are not as self-aware of what their circumstances are. And, you know, immediately people associate with something like dementia, that it's the person that has dementia that's the one that's not self-aware. Oftentimes that it isn't only the case. Sometimes it's the caregiver or the adult children that are not aware. Pick out a case or two where the lack of self-awareness and the inability of a family to sort of level set before the decision-making starts. Give us a success story there. I'm actually working with another family right now um, where one partner has a mild cognitive impairment. Her mother had Alzheimer's disease. Her impairment continues to progress. We anticipate that this will eventually be Alzheimer's disease. Her husband Though in his mind, he's supportive and understands that he's going to take on additional responsibilities in supporting her and caring for her. He hasn't actually made that mental shift to be doing it now. Mm -hmm. And she's starting to need it now. He becomes so frustrated that he's making her a to-do list and she's not accomplishing it. (laughs) And he doesn't know why. And he thinks maybe she's not paying attention. She's too distracted. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to help him understand that she's showing you that she's not capable of following this list on her own. And I'm trying to guide him into his new role of supporting her. It doesn't mean that he has to do everything for her, but he has to be more and more part of everything that happens during the day. Or at least identify where his philosophical viewpoint of what he was going to be able to do versus the reality now that Mm -hmm. it's right in front of him. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And I've got his adult daughter who's emailing me saying, well, here's more context on what's happening at home. And my dad has this stubborn streak and he seems to understand (laughs) that he's playing an important role in the future and he wants that, but he doesn't recognize that that future is actually starting like right now. Mm -hmm. He needs to start stepping up right now. And so I'm trying to um, kind of work with the family, with the partner, but with the adult children as well to help them all get on the same page understand what's going on with mom, what she needs right now, what's going to be needed in the future, and basically get their buy-in, get their understanding and their support. Don't you think a big part of that is denial? That Mm -hmm. his stubbornness is just, I I know that I'm going to have to do this in the future, but it can't be now Mm -hmm. kind of attitude. Absolutely. It's that, that, yeah, exactly that acceptance. He's accepted that there is a diagnosis, but he's not accepting quite yet that things are changing even or right have now changed. they're changing or and have, have, have changed, changed. Right. right and so it's helping families get to that point and also get them connected to other supportive services like a support group to information you know to things that can help them really see reality and help process all of those feelings around it that anticipatory grief you mm-hmm. know the things that you're you're grieving the losses of the future that mm-hmm. ambiguous loss of your relationship is changing. You can't quite put your finger on it, but it's not what it used to be. Right. And so it's helping him get connected to other people, better process these feelings himself, but then also be that support person to his wife that he theoretically wants to be, but he hasn't figured out how to put that into action. Mm. There's some great content there. I think that one of the things that we've encountered a lot with our life care affordability plans is 
sometimes an, an inverted family relationship where it's the gentleman who had taken responsibility of doing a lot of the financial decisions and a spouse that is waiting for the disabled individual to give her the laundry list of all the stuff that she needs to do with the investments. And you get in the same sort of situation where I can't take away some of this financial decision making because that's who he is and what he's done for the rest of it. And I'll, I'll share with you a good five cases in the last year that we did LCAPs. It was making sure that the new decision maker fully understood the scope of decisions that really were her responsibility and her expecting him, the previous decision maker, to be able to play that same role in a, in a, in a way. That's a her problem, not a him problem. Mm-hmm. And that gets back to, Eric, your denial and in the acceptance piece. And mm-hmm. I really like the structure and the mediated conversation of the share plan to be able to bring people there in a way that takes the spouse to the individual with the impairment, not try to bring the person with the impairment to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's something that, that we come, come across all the time is really helping that caregiver learn how to adapt themselves, right? The person with dementia can't change. Right. We can't kind of retrain their ability to take care of their own finances, but it's how to help that caregiver adapt, which, you know, deals with acceptance. Sometimes it's knowledge. Sometimes it's being, you know, not confident in taking the next step. So helping to equip that person both mentally and physically with the things that they need to move forward. The other thing, as you might recall, I worked in the assisted living space prior to joining the firm and doing some other things. One of the things I really appreciated where families had this kind of conversation before it was time for somebody to move. Mm -hmm. Right. The idea that it was time to move their partner into a community wasn't a, oh, my God, oh, God, I'm not ready for this. This can't really be happening because they had some planning involved. Mm -hmm. So something like the share plan. Yes, it helps with the here and now. And the plan is done and you walk away. But years from now, when something changes, the fact that they have the share plan or the life care affordability plan to help them enter that new chapter mm-hmm. is really valuable. Mm-hmm. And actually the very first share plan that I did on our first session, it was an adult daughter and her father who had early stage Alzheimer's. He was living with her and it happened to come up in conversation. She asked him, you know, if you needed help with personal things in the future, like getting dressed and undressed, like in the bathroom, you know, who would you, would you want people to help that you know and trust and feel comfortable around? Or do you not want those people, you know, to do it because it's too embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And what she thought that he would say was that he wanted professionals to do it. Um, she felt that he was someone who wouldn't have wanted those who were close to him to see him in that kind of intimate way. And actually it was the opposite. He would rather have people who he knows and trusts, even if he knew them in a different, you know, relationship, different capacity he would rather have those people. And she was just like, it was like an aha moment. Like this program just paid for itself in the first session because now I have clarity on the future. Now I've heard directly from him what he's comfortable with and what he's not. And she felt like that equipped her to make decisions in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, if at some point when he's not able to really be part of that conversation, 
this was like gold for her. Like now I can feel comfortable making those kinds of decisions. Um, and it was just, you know, just a wonderful moment for me to be part of, to see the impact of this program, just the questions that are posed, the conversations that families don't always have with each other and how that can really take away some of the guilt that families might feel in the future, yep. which, which we see when someone is considering whether it's in a memory care, care. Options, a mm-hmm. memory care community, the guilt of having to make those decisions, how agonizing they can be. But if you can talk about it early on and know, well, this is what my loved one really was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can move forward. You can continue putting that plan into action without getting stalled, you know, having to deal with your own grief. Right. And I think just for some wrap up framing about one of the things that's so impactful about the share plan and the life care affordability plan is the sensitivity and the emphasis we placed on identifying the new most important things that the priorities that people might have had in previous chapters, they might not apply where we are right now. And the more people that can get their arms around the new most important things, then you can set a hierarchy of priorities. And then just like Lindsay was talking about with different clinical paths, how can we keep somebody safe at home by themselves and then maybe with assistance and then maybe, you know, some additional services at different locations. It's only after you're able to identify the new most important things, just like that daughter was empowered that you can sort of unlock the permission to make decisions down all of those different paths. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we're, that's one of the things that we're sort of buttoning up with, thinking that both of the plans, SHARE and LCAP, really have an emphasis on putting new hierarchy on new important things. Mm-hmm. I'd like to thank Eric again for hosting and Lindsay and Arvette for joining us. That was a great exploration of a number of different cases. And to our audience, we could not recommend any stronger the SHARE plan and Insight Memory Care Center and the work yeah. that Lindsay's doing in, in, in the Washington area. Eric, you want to close this up? Absolutely. And I don't mind speaking for Tom and our vet, Lindsay, when I say you have a permanent seat here whenever you want to come <laughs> back. You. Tom, if you could make a plaque for us, we'd appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> if you get that on your to-do list. And we want to thank the audience for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Life Care Affordability Plan podcast with Tom and our vet. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tom and our vet come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if you heard these stories today and any of these relate to somebody you know, please, please share these so they can learn about the share plan and life care affordability plan. It will just make a world of difference to them on a personal and emotional level. That would be a big help. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at Life Care Affordability Planning, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time. Views and opinions provided herein are those of the individual speakers. All content is informational only and is not intended to be an endorsement or recommendation of any particular investment strategy or other course of action. Consult your tax, legal, and financial professions concerning your specific situation. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through SEIA LLC. Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Life Care Affordability Plan is a marketing name for SEIA. Services related to evaluating the client's health care treatment plan are independent of and not endorsed by Royal Alliance Associates, Inc.